Hey, before we start the episode, I would like to say something really quick. Today we'll be talking about a sensitive topic. We're talking about suicide among other things. If you are not comfortable with this topic, then we recommend skipping this episode. If you or anyone you know is having a difficult time, please reach out to your local helplines. The internet's created new ways for us to keep in touch with our families. Conversations that used to be held over mail or pay per minute, long distance phone calls can now happen over line or FaceTime. Regardless of the distance and even time, there's a way to connect with our families when we need to. But below the surface, the internet's also redefined who we connect with. It's changed how we bump into new people and how we could possibly build new lasting relationships, even if we haven't met them in person. This week, we talk with Celeste, someone with firsthand experience with these new kinds of connections. I am a scientist by day. I work in a molecular biology lab doing genetics research. At night, I play video games on Twitch and people watch me. And on weekends, I have a Twitch show that's focused around mental health. Celeste is building a community based around mental health awareness after dealing with her own struggles. We'll talk about how she dealt with her depression and facing problems at home. I was basically disowned, and so I kind of felt like I was alone. I felt like there was no reason for me to be alive because the people I cared about didn't love me. How an MMO from France helped her create a new relationship with people and with life? Thinking, thinking back to it, right? I have no idea if they realized how important they were for me. <laughs> and how she impacts a new community of people. If we were talking about, say, medications, we would look at what the different kinds of antidepressant, anti-anxiety medications are. What does it mean that you're on an SSRI? What does it mean that you're on an SNRI? I want to be able to build a community where people are comfortable talking about like their mental health issues and getting help and promoting getting help in a good way and having a place where they can kind of just hang out and do that. This is Ricky along with co-host Andy, and this week on Mingle My Bit, we talk about family. Celeste, do you mind starting us off with how your journey in video games started? The first video game I ever played, I was about seven years old. I had gotten a Game Boy, and I think I was pay- playing Kirby's Magic Dreamland. That was the first game I ever played, which was absolutely fantastic. Great game if you ever want to go back to a classic. But I ended up switching over and playing Pokemon or whatever, and it wasn't until... I guess I got to high school that I started playing games enough to to call myself, I guess, a gamer. It's one of those things where I realized that it was a great form of escapism. And when I got to college, I uh, started using games as a way to kind of cope with, you know, all the struggles I was having in college. And afterwards, I kind of continued all of that. And now I'm older I won't say how old, but I'm older and still consider myself a gamer and still solidly play games and love it. 
Can you tell us the struggles that you were having during your times when you were in college and how gaming helped you cope with it? When I got to college, I, um, I started noticing. So I, I left I left my home and, and went to college and I started noticing that I was having trouble feeling motivated and interacting with others. And then I realized, well, I didn't realize eventually I got diagnosed with uh, depression and having a panic disorder. So panic disorder is basically instead of your fight or flight response being normal, uh, you kind of panic at the smallest like drop of a hat. So some people will cry over spilled milk, but I will literally cry over spilled milk. And it was it was very difficult to transition from feeling like what I thought was my normal, which was just kind of a high anxiety person, but something that I could cope with, to suddenly having times where the smallest thing would cause me to have a panic attack. And I don't know how much you guys know about panic attacks, but it basically just, it felt like I was dying every time. And, and there was no frame of reference for my body to be like, no, you're not dying. You're just having a panic attack. I understand. I also uh, suffer panic attacks. I uh, went up to the psychiatrist and they told me literally, it's just like an animal instinct. We as humans are animals as well. And when we are having that panic, our adrenaline rush goes up. So thus we think we're under attack or something, but really, and we're not. Exactly. So I started having those. I had no frame of reference for what was going on. And I was just kind of freaking out all the time. And at first, playing video games was a way to kind of separate myself from what was happening around me uh, and kind of calm down and escape into the game. By my senior year of college, my depression got very, very bad. I couldn't leave my apartment. I was suicidal. And um, after, after an attempt, I was basically kind of stuck at home. I was coming to terms with my sexuality. I am a, a lesbian and I grew up in a very, very religious household. And when I told my family, they did not take it well. And so I kind of felt like I was alone and I felt like there was no reason for me to be alive because the people I cared about didn't love me. And I hadn't really gotten to a point where I could understand that sometimes you just need to choose family as well. On top of that, I was trying to figure out correct dosages for all of my anxiety stuff, right? And I was taking medication and trying to find meds that work. And I don't know if, if either of you guys are on any kind of medication for, for something like that, but anything that's like for depression or anxiety, it takes a while to find the right medicine and the right dosage. And until then, you basically have to deal with all these terrible side effects. And at that point, I couldn't see a way out. I was having panic attacks all the time. The medication I was on was giving me terrible insomnia. And on top of that, I was coping with the fact that I thought my family hated me and that I was basically worthless to the world. And it all kind of bubbled into this terrible anxiety and depression that 
left me feeling useless. I understand where you get that fear. I always fear that I'm going to make my family think, wow, Ricky is not good enough. And the idea of you telling them, hey guys, um, I have finally came to the moment where I wanted to tell you that I am a lesbian. And then, then them coming back to you and not giving you that support you needed at the time, I'm sure was extremely heartbreaking. There were two aspects to it that were difficult, right? I was taught my entire life to hate essentially what I was, right? And then on top of that, when I finally came out and told them, hey, this is me, I'm learning to love myself. I would like you to learn to love me too. And them just denying that, it was devastating. And so at that time, I was trying to kind of come to terms with all of that emotion at the same time while not having a, a concrete grasp on what my disorders were. And it just bubbled into a sense of needing to escape. And that's kind of how I got to that point, right? Do you mind explaining how rough your parents were towards you when you opened up to them? I was basically disowned. I'm still in contact with them now. Um, eventually, my, my father was much more accepting. My mother likes to pretend that it never happened. We don't really talk very much about my day-to-day -day life. I currently am still with my partner. So my, my roommate back then is my partner today. So it was it was one of those things where at the time I couldn't see any hope or any way out or any change, but it's gotten better over the years. It's still not great with my family, but it's certainly gotten much better. My friends were great during this. During the day, one of my friends would stay at home with me and he would kind of watch me and make sure I didn't do anything stupid. And then at night he would trade places with my roommate and she would watch over me basically. And during that time I was playing this, it was a French MMO called Dofus. It's an interesting game, tactical MMORPG, very cute. You play on a grid style. I had a guild and the guild master was this amazing woman who played with her husband and her son. And her son had some genetic disorder. I, I can't remember what it was, but he, he couldn't really play outside with other kids. So he and his, his mom and dad would play online with him. And they were, you know, pretty high up in the, in the server guild ranks. And during the day, this woman would play with her and her husband and her son's account and try to level them all up while her husband and son were at school and work. She needed help because it was the Christmas event and you need at least like four people to kind of get through those dungeons. So every morning I would wake up and I would play through these dungeons with her and we'd kind of talk about what our plan was for the next day and all these stuff, all this stuff. And I was slowly... Getting a sense of accomplishment, it gave me something to focus on. It gave me a series of tasks to complete. And every time I completed them, I was like, oh, hey, I did that. I was able to do that. That's pretty cool. And it was this small and slow buildup of, hey, I can do this. I can do this. I can do this that led me to maybe I can do something in real life, too. Maybe I can finish this dungeon, but then also maybe I can wash this cup 
or maybe I can change my shirt. Maybe I can take a shower. Maybe I can go to the doctor. Maybe I can go to therapy. Maybe I can take my meds. Having those kind of small pick-me-ups of maybe I can do this and then actually doing it led me to have enough bravery, I guess, to say maybe I can do this in real life as well. Thinking, thinking back to it, right? I have no idea if they realize how important they were for me. <laughs> but at the time, the entire guild felt a lot like a family. I would talk to them. I would hang out with them. I talked to them online. I would have, you know, video chats on Skype with them. We would talk on an IRC, uh, which is how old I am. It was one of those things where I started kind of playing with them and, and becoming close with them. And I didn't realize, I didn't realize how important they were to me until much later. At the time, I think I was so caught up in what was happening that I couldn't necessarily see just how important the strides that I was making were at that time. You know, I would, I would play with them and it felt good to be useful to someone. It felt good to feel like I was wanted in some way. I think the fact that it was a family and that it was, you know, a mom that was taking an interest in her child's interests probably played a big part, though I probably didn't think about it too much at that time. I think I would have been excited when I was younger having my mom game with me. Come on, that's awesome. That, I mean, that sounds like amazing. I, I really just wanted, I wanted to have that. And she was, she was a very loving person. I wish I should reach out to them. She was, she was a very loving person. And what I wanted was to have that kind of interaction and have that, that love. And eventually, I think I was able to find that for myself and find friends and family. I grew out of that MMO, but I'll never forget how important it was. So that MMO still exists today? It does. So Dofus, D-O-F-U-S. And then they also released like a second version, I guess, called Wakfu. That's like the, the sequel to Dofus. Wakfu. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's actually like pretty fantastic. The MMO itself is this adorable cartoony world that's very intricate. And the design is, is amazing. And it's full of puns. <laughs> greatly enjoy. Yeah. So... I guess you haven't spoken with them. Do you have a way to connect with them again? Um, I think I could probably still find their usernames in the forums and see if they're still active. I could probably do that. Do you mind getting into more details on translating your accomplishments from the game into IRL? You know, you described how these actions in the game started motivating you in real life. So how did that work to help you take a few steps forward? So I think when I was playing the game, right, I just wanted to kind of get stuff done. And it was right around their Christmas event, which they called Quismas, K-W-I-S-M-A-S. <laughs> it's basically the, this island shows up in the game where you can go and do special Christmas themed dungeons. You can get a special mount. You can get all these things. And they're not easy to get. Like some of some of the things that you get from this island, you really need to put in 
a lot of hours and it's kind of cumulative over the years. So maybe this year you didn't get everything, but the next year around Christmas time you can get stuff. My guild leader was trying to get everything for like her family. So we were going through and grinding all these dungeons and doing all this stuff. I didn't really have a, I guess, a, a purpose for this. I just kind of wanted to be distracted and let time pass, right? I, it felt like it was taking everything took forever. Every moment just took forever. So I wanted to have something to distract me so I wouldn't have to feel the like terrible passage of time. <laughs> as As I was playing... I would just follow along and do what I could. I was a, kind of a DPS tank type character. And, you know, tanking was always fun. At some point, I started feeling like a sense of, of accomplishment. A sense of pride and accomplishment. Um, no, So I started feeling like a sense of, of accomplishment that, hey, I just did something. And it was pretty cool. And I got something neat out of it. I got, you know this mount out of it. I got this thing for it, you know, just picking out different things and getting some kind of a, a response. And that felt good. Some point I realized like maybe if I did things in real life that would allow me to do that, then, Hey, maybe that's, that's something that I could accomplish too. Maybe I'll feel that same like little bit of dopamine hit. Maybe I'll feel, you know, good about that as well. That was a really cool, tangible way you were able to take something both digital, mental, and turn that into something like action. I think it's kind of neat how you were able to connect the dots there and, and move forward that way. You described how your friends were there for you during that really low point, right? After your family wasn't. So how was it that your friends stepped in? I didn't realize that. I needed to find a family again, if that makes sense. I I guess I, I really felt at the time that, that I was abandoned. <laughs> and I didn't understand that like friends could help fill that. My culture is one where like family bonds were kind of shown as like the ultimate thing. Like it, it had to be, you know, it was the most important thing. After a while, I started asking my friends for help. And this kind of happened. So my, my sophomore year of college, my best friend at the time, she's the one who kind of saw me starting to have panic attacks. And she's the one who first started helping me through them and being like, hey, this is what we're going to do. You're going to breathe. We're going to find you help. When my college didn't really respond to, you know, me asking for therapy on campus, she actually got her aunt to call the school. And her aunt was a a psychologist in in Massachusetts. So she kind of got her to, to call the school and be like, hey, what are you doing? This child needs help and whatever. And kind of force them into helping me make changes. I don't know. After a while, I started relying on my friends more and they became a safe place for me when I felt home wasn't safe. I really felt that going home meant giving up part of myself and I'd already done that for so many years that I wasn't willing to do it anymore. I remember, I still remember being 16, 17, and I would wake up like in a cold sweat because I was like afraid that I was gay, which sounds really stupid. But at the time, it just felt like the worst thing in the world. When 
I got to college and started making friends, it was this, it was a slow transition from relying on my family for that kind of close, intimate, you know, loving bond to relying on my friends instead. It was, it was an interesting transition to be sure. And even now I still struggle with it. I think that's one of those things that I'll probably never get over. The small realization that hits me every once in a while where, you know, my parent will not really be a parent to me, especially, for example, with with everything that's going on right now with, you know, COVID-19, right? And everything that's going on in the world, like it would be really nice to have the comfort that comes with having a parent who, you know, can take care of you or that, you know, when you're scared, you can contact them and be like, you know, mom, I'm scared you know, I need some reassurance. And I don't have that. And -hmm. I think that's one of those things that kind of hits me every once in a while where I'm like, oh, okay. But at the same time, I have people that I can contact who will do that for me separately. That's a beautiful thing. I'm glad your friends are giving you that what you need. Still today, your mother will not be that for you at all. I don't think she can. You know, it was it's one of those things where what it is, is that a lot of the mental health issues that I have, I probably inherited. The thing is that I grew up and was able to find help, whereas people in my family were not, even if over the years, like they've to an extent become more accepting, like my father's become more accepting. My stepmom is very accepting. Um, my mother is not, but at the same time, they haven't, you know, gotten help for what they, the issues they need to deal with. And when you don't get help for yourself, you don't have the emotional bandwidth to help anyone else. You know, you're so caught up in your own things and your own problems. Like, how can you really offer that much help to someone else? And I think that that's kind of where they're stuck. And I came to terms with that years ago. I can ask for help in certain ways, but the truth is that if I want that emotional support, it's not going to come from them. I understand. So so after getting some help and figuring out what works for you, do you mind describing how you got into streaming? I started playing video games on Twitch. Uh, I was recording my Overwatch gameplay for a tournament that I was in, and uh, I started recording myself on Twitch because it, it, you know, took up less space than an actual recording of it on my computer. I could just watch the VOD later. And one day someone walked into my chat and I uh, said hi back. And I started talking to them and I was like, oh, hey, this could be fun. And then I started having like a a couple of people come by and one day someone basically told me like, oh, it's great to see you here. Um, I don't see a lot of, you know, queer women on the platform. This is a few years ago. And I I had the small realization that maybe I could be an example for people or I could be what I wish that I'd had when I was younger. So I decided to keep Mm -hmm. streaming. I started playing 
and started getting people in my chat and suddenly was like, hey, I like this. I like this interaction. And I connected with a couple of other streamers who I watched, but I also met some friends in the streaming community that over time became people that I would talk to whenever I wanted advice or just a conversation. And I think especially if you if you are streaming, you are a streamer, you want to connect with other streamers and you want to talk about streaming things. <laughs> You want to talk about, this seems really cool, this seems like fun, I would really like this. What do you think of this one tool? What microphone do you have? Like all of these kind of like small things you want to chat with other people. And you get a lot of people who are like, I want to chat, but really what I want to do is promote my channel. But then you also get people who is like, I want to chat. <laughs> Another thing that I did was that I found my local like Twitch community. So there's every state kind of has a local like Twitch meetups where like you can go to a bar and hang out with other streamers and check out like what your local community has. And through that, I also met a lot of streamers who were, I mean, bigger, definitely, but also just sweet and kind and nice and more experienced. And when I started being like, all right, how do I do this? How do I approach this? I was able to kind of reach out to that community that I'd established. And these people weren't like part of my community, if that makes sense. It was part of a bigger community of streamers. Through that, I was able to kind of connect more with my community, my viewers, for example. And then I also, I, I found my niche on Twitch. So when I first started, I was like, you know, I don't know, I'm just going to play stuff and we'll see how that goes. And so I was playing like Dark Souls and other random games. And I realized that I wanted to be a variety streamer because there wasn't one game that I loved enough to be like, I'm going to play this game forever or like one genre of games that I liked enough. And also at the time, my computer was terrible. So what I wanted was to have a, a community where, you know, I could switch from game to game and they'd still like come with me because it was about, you know, hanging out and not necessarily about like the one game. In order to do that, I kind of had to learn like what a variety streamer is. How do you even start on that? And I think that how you grow now on Twitch and how you grew back then, a little bit different. It's already been been a few years. I, I had to take a break from streaming for a while. But at the time when I was trying to grow, I realized that my, my niche on Twitch was I want to be the person that you come to hang out with, but I also want to like teach people about mental health because it took me over 10 years to get to a point where I was stable. And I wish I'd had people that I could look up to who were open and honest about their struggles, who were open and honest about themselves, their sexuality, that like I could have been comfortable watching and had a role model. And that's kind of what I wanted to be. So that's what I tried to do with my channel. So how do you actually structure your stream to be that role model that you described? And what are some of the things that you do to help your community there? So I started doing a, a Saturday two-hour stream called Self-Care Saturdays. What it was was every Saturday for about, you know, a few hours, we would sit down and we'd pick a mental health topic and we'd talk about it and learn about it. And I kind of used like a scientific approach. I mean, this is kind of how I do everything, right? I'm a scientist. Um, but it was a scientific approach to it. So we would like, if we were talking about, say, medications, we would have 
you know, someone to interview that was a doctor, we would look at what the different kinds of like antidepressant, anti-anxiety medications are. What does it mean that you're on an SSRI? What does it mean that you're on an SNRI? Why is it the dosing is so important? Why is it that, you know, these different kinds of medications act in different ways? Why is it that we still take medications even though we don't necessarily understand what their mechanism of action works? We would sit down and be like, oh, well, Today we're talking about or like tools to organize. So I would find free tools online that I liked that worked really well for organizational purposes. Or I would make different tools. I'm very, very good with Excel spreadsheets. Um, so I made a lot of like Google spreadsheets where it was just like, if you're having negative thoughts and you want to do a thought reframing exercise, which is an exercise in which you take, you know, your negative thought, you kind of analyze it to see what kind of a thinking trap it falls into. Are you being overly negative? Are you, you know, blowing something out of proportion? What are you doing that is not logical that's leading you to have this thought? Okay, let's take this thought and let's rewrite it in a more logical light. So I would take tools like that and then I'd make like a spreadsheet out of it. And then we'd talk about it, we'd go through the exercise and then I'd share like those spreadsheets, stuff like that. At least on, on Twitch was a really great platform for that. And I'm still doing that to this day. I kind of continued making, even when I wasn't streaming, I continued making these kinds of spreadsheets and I would disseminate them through like Reddit and stuff like that. There's a a budget spreadsheet that I made that got like very, very popular on a finance subreddit um, on our personal finance. And, you know, so every year I, I update that one so that it's it's new and it works. That's awesome because not only are you having fun with people, but you're also bringing a huge value to people that need a nudge in that right direction. Yeah, I want to I wanna be able to build a community where people are comfortable talking about like their mental health issues and getting help and promoting getting help in a good way and having a place where they can kind of just hang out and do that. So who do you consider in your family now? Two of my friends from high school that like we were best friends and we just never stopped being best friends. And I've got my my partner, my girlfriend, who was my roommate, who would come home and sit with me and make sure I didn't do something stupid. Yeah, eventually we started dating. And then I have just different, a bunch of different friends that I've made over the years. I have some friends that I made online. I actually have a lot of friends that I made online, some friends that I've made through work. I've realized that it becomes very easy for me to just kind of care for people and care about people. So when I meet someone and I like them, I'm like, I want to be your friend. It's it's one of those things where like nowadays, I have a lot of, of close friends that I'm comfortable kind of talking to. You know, some of them are from work, online, but overall, it's just people that I've collected over the years and just gone, yeah, you're good. You're staying. <laughs> That's great. That's great. So do you do things that traditional families would usually do together? Yeah, yeah. I definitely have like different holidays and traditions that now, in, you know, cooking this traditional meal for my family, I'll cook it for them. You know, if we're having this like one holiday meal, I'll like make it. But instead of inviting family over, not that I can't because they're not even in this country, but like instead of invi inviting family over, I'll invite, you know, my friends to come and eat with us. So there's there's a lot of those kinds of family traditions that I've just kind of changed and adapted and invited them to come over. 
talking about how like online families and friends can be just as just as significant as real life families. I have all of these friends online that I made through gaming and through Twitch and through all of this cool technology that brings us together. And those relationships are just as important to me, especially now that we're kind of dealing with all this COVID stuff that everyone's, you know, relegated to staying home and having to have these online connections. I feel very lucky that I've managed to have them before all of this started. I, I think that's pretty powerful. Even with online connections, right? You still, you laugh together, you accomplish things together, and then you get angry at each other too, right? And sometimes because you care so much about a particular thing or even a particular person, right? Something that seems insignificant on screen can turn into such a big thing because you have that kind of relationship, right? Yeah. Celeste, how can people find you? Um, so there's a few ways you can find me. If you want to find me where I'm most active, that would be either Twitter or Twitch, which is twitter.com slash Celesme, C-E-L-E-S-M-E-H, or twitch.tv slash Celesme. That's kind of my handle on literally everything. You can look through my Reddit history if you want to, but please don't. Um, <laughs> But yeah, that's yeah. that's pretty much, you know, where you can find me on Twitter. I make infographics and write for acpocketnews.com. I do graphic design for nooknet.net and I co-founded dodoairlines.com. So all of these Animal Crossing spaces. And on Twitch, you can find me on Mondays and Wednesdays around 4 or 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and Saturdays for self-care Saturdays starting at around 11 a.m shout out to like take this.org there's a lot of resources out there for streamers when it comes to like mental health take this.org is is really an amazing kind of organization where what they work on is kind of just decreasing like the stigma around mental health in gaming communities and increasing support for people who have mental health problems on one hand they like have developed kind of clinical best practices for different gaming companies to help support these mental health topics in games. But then they also have, as far as streaming goes, like they have a streaming ambassador program. It's basically streamers who have positive messages about mental health. You know, different communities where the streamers are focused on covering games and different topics, but also having like a good healthy environment, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah, no, I think that's awesome. Cool. Thank you guys so much. No, thank you. This has been amazing. Thank you guys for taking the time to talk about how technology can help. I think that that's something that a lot of people get lost in, like demonizing technology. Mm -hmm. Right. Being like, ah, man, games make us violent. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're over here trying to water our flowers every day. Yeah, exactly. Good mix. As humans, families can establish a solid foundation for us to have confidence in navigating the challenges of life. And if there's something we've learned from Celeste, it doesn't matter where that family originally comes from. Online communities have evolved quite a bit from the local message boards of days past. 
Facebook groups, Discord servers, and streaming communities, nowadays, there's a pocket of the internet that could be just for you. And if you can't find the right one, that just means your new family is waiting for you to build it. If you or a friend is dealing with depression or thoughts of suicide, please contact your local helplines. Mingle My Bit is produced by Ricky Rowland, Billy Cockquiet, and Andy Reinhold. This episode was edited by Annie Reinhold. Special thanks to Celeste for taking the time to share her story. Celeste has created a self-care checklist infographic for us. Stop by at minglemybit.com to use it for yourself. There you'll also find the show transcript. Oh, and speaking of families, if you're looking for a welcoming one, definitely come join our Discord. The link's on our website as well. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you liked our episode, please rate us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Your feedback makes the show better. If you're interested in sharing your story with us, feel free to reach out at social at minglemybit.com. All right, we'll see you again in two weeks.